welcome back everybody to another Inside the World of Duotone podcast. Today we are talking to current Vice Big Air World Champion, vlogger, kite school owner, Porsche Ambassador and Duotone team rider Liam Whaley. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lewis. What an introduction. <laughs> well, you've you've got quite a lot of projects uh, definitely going on in your life from, from everything I've just mentioned and we're going to talk about them. But really, I wanted to go straight in and talk about where you've just been and this incredible result you've just had at the Lords of Tram GKA Kite World Cup in France. It's the first round of the big air and you absolutely smashed it and took first place. How are you feeling about that? Oh man, I'm, I'm over the moon. Um, I haven't quite absorbed everything yet because it, it all happened so quickly. And then I, I literally left the following day and then kind of got out of the kite scene, went to Barcelona and spent a couple of days with my girlfriend. So I kind of left the bubble quite quickly. But um, yeah, man, it's it, it's unbelievable. You know, I haven't I haven't won an event in quite a while. Um, obviously, I've I've podiumed a lot over over my career and I've had a lot of wins, but it's been a, a bit of a dry patch over, I'd say, the last year or so. Uh, so it just felt so damn good to to take that top spot again. That That's almost crazy to think think that. I mean, when you state it like that, you haven't won an event for a while in your standards over a year or something. You think, well, you're, we're always seeing you on the podium in the finals to actually to actually think about that. I hadn't even thought about that myself, that it'd been a while since you'd actually taken the victory. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. The level has just gotten, it's gotten so high. Um, and, you know, I've I've made a name for myself over the years and I'm always up there within the, you know, the top five. I make the, the finals on a lot of events, but um, it's just different winning an event, right? You just, you just get so much more attention and you really feel like you've done everything you possibly could even if you get second like last year for example and in the gk entry if i came second and it was just that little bit missing and for sure i was proud of myself when i looked back at it but you know winning is just is just different it's just like you've done everything and you've achieved the best result you possibly could have so that feeling is is unbeatable now we're going to talk a little bit more about Lords of Tram and, and the event just uh, in a moment, but you were a 2015 world champion. Now I know that your goal must be to to be big air world champion this year, which won't just be run in a once-off winner-takes-all event in Tarifa. It'll be run over both the event that's just taken place, also Tarifa, and rumour has it there might even be a third, but but this is really the perfect start you could have had for your quest to be big air world champion, right? Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's also made things easier for me in my mind because this year I've been competing for so many years. And as I've mentioned, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of ups and downs and it can be challenging to, to stay motivated at times. And, and this year I was kind of thinking, you know, what I want to do. It's always hard to, to stop competing because you know, it's what I know I'm good at and what it, what I've been successful at for so many years. But I started to have ideas of maybe maybe I want to, you know, do other projects and and do other things within kitesurfing where, where which are possibly more valuable than competing to me at this stage in my career. But um, yeah, obviously taking the win here has 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 changed that idea completely. And now that I'm leading the ranking and the world championships, 
um, there's it's a no brainer that I that I have to go for the world title. And you didn't just you know it was it wasn't tight. You weren't the whole time you know fighting Pete. You, really, the way I looked at it from commentating that event is that you always it seemed like you always had another gear that you could go to in any of the heats. Like you you won quite convincingly, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that was very i think more surprising to me than it was to anyone um i think people you know they always expect me to do well but i actually have i always try to go into competitions thinking that i can possibly win and i think this is the first competition of my life that i went into thinking i'm okay with coming fifth place or coming seventh because i really didn't put a lot of pressure on myself coming up to this event i didn't train very hard um because it in yeah as i said last year was challenging for me i put too much pressure on myself and i saw it wasn't helping my riding it was actually i was not enjoying as i'm usually do on the water as much um i wasn't enjoying the process as much and the result of that wasn't progressing as fast um so i i kind of hit the chill button in the last couple months relaxed a little bit went kiting when i felt like it and it seems to have works, you know, coming into this event with a different mindset, just really relaxed. I, I think I wasn't stressed at any point, at any heat, at any moment, even if it was my last trick and I needed a, a high eight to, to win the heat. I wasn't I wasn't stressing about it because I was kind of like, if I don't do it, it's OK. And uh, yeah, besides it's that, <laughs> besides that, I think um, things just worked out for me, this event, whereas, you know, there's a lot of luck factors in big air all the time and and luck for once kind of kind of went my way so <laughs> yeah it, it, you look like you was in a uh, in a relaxed place now it just reminds the, the listeners actually that we've come from maybe the biggest event of the year it was only just before christmas at the end of november start of december which is the red bull king of the air again you had an incredible performance you couldn't have done it seemed to, to everyone any more than what you did out there and you still just missed out on the podium, you know, so to maybe this different approach with, with your mindset, it maybe that helped you. You did look really chilled over in France. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, there's so many luck factors that, that come into play and King of the Air, one event a year, uh, all the pressure is, is put on in, in one day and then so many things can happen. You know, the wave might just not line up for you or you just might not feel good on that day or your other competitor might have the heat of its life, his life um, and King of the Air. Yeah, it's been like that for me for the last few years. You know, I, I've come second, I've come third, and then I've kind of been hovering in between top five, but just uh, come short of that first place so many times that kind of felt like it's never going to come. Um, you always seem just... to draw that person that has the heat of their life, <laughs> like biggest scores <laughs> ever. Like it, it is always your heat that that happens. Yeah, or I have in the heat of my life, like in the quarterfinals or when it's not really necessary, you know. So, um, yeah, as I said, this result, it's definitely given. It's a motivation booster. I'm feeling really good now. I'm, I'm in, a, in a great headspace. I came straight back from the airport after France and, and went straight for a kite session, which is not usual for me after an event. Normally, I just want to chill, but I'm, I'm super keen on riding again. I'm motivated. And, yeah, it, it's it came at the right time it's just what i needed they just touched there liam on the slight difference in conditions with being out in the open ocean with waves 
at King of the Air and the flat water at the Lords of Tram. Now, it was a slightly different format as well with the riders for the second year in a row having their own time to perform their moves. I think it's about 40 seconds that you're given to get on with your moves. You're the only person in the box. How, how was your experience with that? Was that the first time you've competed like that in big air? Yeah, um, it was the first time. Um, we've done this in the freestyle format in the past, so it wasn't something super new for me. It was quite easy to adapt to it. And actually, it was really nice. It just felt organized and, and a bit neater. Um, the flat water and, as you said, like competing in, in flat water opposed to um, the open sea was also a lot more calming. You didn't have to stress about getting the right kicker. Um, and I liked the format. It was just it was just cleaner. One rider at a time. Um, I think there was less room for error from the from the judging side. Um, the only very challenging thing in this event was uh, reading reading when the when the wind was going to come through because it was it was very long gusts. There would be a two minute gust and then suddenly the wind would disappear for thirty seconds and then it would come back. So a little bit of luck was involved in that side getting the right gust when it was your turn, but also really reading reading the wind and kind of feeling feeling as much as possible and just kind of going off of instinct of when you think the wind is going to come through. And there was that wonderful moment that we have to talk about in the final where it looked like the wind was really playing hardball. Uh, you were on a bigger kite, um, so was your opponent, Andrea. And you made this incredible decision to ride all the way back into the beach and take a smaller kite just at the right time where the <laughs> wind picked up. Now, you, you mentioned the word instinct. Was that really what it's about? I think so it it was it's weird this place it's it's not like you could look upwind and see a wind line coming because there was a piece of land in between us so it's almost like you had to kind of just feel it and and almost guess a bit but i guess just from kiting so much we have that inside of us that we kind of can read the wind and can kind of feel when it's coming and i and i just had that feeling throughout the event that i could just just feel it a bit and see when the gust was coming through. And yeah, in that particular heat, um, the wind was super light, as you said, uh, for the first couple of tricks. And then I crashed a couple of times on the eight. I was even underpowered on the eight. And suddenly on my last attempt that I had on my eight meter was maybe the third attempt or so, I suddenly started to feel the wind coming through. And I just knew that I had to go quickly and grab that six, even if it meant doing just one or two tricks on the six. Um, I knew that was going to give me the big scores and, you know, it could have, the gust could have not come through, but luckily for me, it, it, it came through and yeah, that gave me, definitely gave me the edge over Andrea because he hesitated. He, um, he changed to a six later than me and I was able to do three or four double loops, whereas he only had the chance to do two and he crashed them. That decision really was a special decision for you. Now, I mentioned whilst commentating that I think it's often underrated the the, the skill required of, of a rider and actually the term seamanship, which is really reading the conditions and what's going on around you, acting as a sailor, and you you nailed that right there. It comes in, in waves, strange waves down there, the south of France, this wind, it comes, it goes, it comes, and your timing to sort of think it's got to be due now. It just kept, it did keep coming back, but that timing was so good. and. You've just spoke about a kite uh, that I want to talk about as well, Liam. We're going to talk now about the Durotone D-Lab, especially this six. Right, take a listen to this, Liam. 
this kite, such a special kite now, not just the six, but the other different sizes, but it really seemed to look like it gave you guys a, an advantage. Tell me, what, what is this D-Lab, D-Lab kites? How are they affecting your big air riding? What do they allow you to do? Oh man, this kite is, feeling wise, is definitely the best big air kite I've ever tried. I joined Duotone over a year ago now, and obviously the range is so large that it was it was pretty challenging for me to to pick the right kite. Um, I have a particular style. I come from a freestyle background, so the feeling of a kite is really important for me as well. And yeah, I tried all the kites uh, last year. I tried out um, the Dice, the Evo, the Rebel, and then I, I ended up sticking with the Rebel just because of the performance of the kite. Um, it was jumping higher than all the other kites, and it was just easier to learn new tricks on it it had a great hang time and yeah basically the performance for big air format it was performing the best um and then uh yeah this year i tried the evo d lab and it basically had everything that the rebel had but it was quicker <laughs> it had more of a vertical lift so it kind of gets out of the window a bit more and it, it flies more above your head so when you take off you're shooting right up rather than forwards and um also the feeling of the kite is just amazing and it really matches my style more than the rebel um it's got lighter bar pressure and almost feels a bit more like a sea kite so i can feel i feel like i can unhook on it easier and that's a, a feeling that i'm used to and yeah i say where this kite really thrives is when the wind is a little bit um light i can ride the same kite as, as another rider and, and just, um, yeah, basically go higher and have a, a better performance. Um, maybe some of the guys are out on the nine and I can get the same height on a, on the eight meter and get wow, even yeah. better hang time and such good kite control. And the same goes for the six, like the wind wasn't really strong enough for six. Like <laughs> sometimes there might've been like 25 knots and wow. maybe 30 and i was and i was able to do double loops on a six and still get a decent amount of height and hang time so it really just this kite yeah this this six meter basically won me the event if i wouldn't have had this this six i'd say i i probably wouldn't have won this event so um yeah, i'm really thankful that <laughs> i managed to get my hands on one just before the event Oh, I hope it's as simple as that. Cause I got this six right here. I should be entering a competition tomorrow. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to get out on this thing. Maybe I should have taken it Tarifa. So let's move on from the Lords of Tram. Now, of course, we've got the Tarifa event coming up in a month or so. So I wish you the best of luck uh, with that. But I want to talk about some of the other projects that you're involved with, Liam. And let's, why don't we just start with, with your school, the Liam Whaley Pro Centre for you down in Tarifa. Tell me a bit about how that's going. Yeah, man. This was, uh, it's always been a dream of mine to have um, a centre, especially at the beach I grew up on. You know, I've been kiting at that beach since I'm eight years old and, and just chilling with my friends there, learning new tricks, uh, having good times, always good vibes on that beach. and. I, I always saw it as home and, and it was my dream to kind of, you know, have a place there one day. And last year we, we opened it finally, um, it was, uh, a long process to manage to get the contracts to, to rent the land and, and, and so on was not, was not easy. Um, and yeah, as soon as I managed to get that, get that going, it was, it was kind of scary because I was like, wow. You know, this is uh, something serious. Being able to to manage a 
a school and shop of this size while continuing with my uh with my kite career at the same time and obviously mm-hmm. i want to focus on my kite career right now because um you know i'm at my i'm at my peak and that's where my time is more valuable so uh, um it was tough for the first six months or so getting a team together um but once i found the right people and the right team kind of all started flowing and yeah it's it's going really well and luckily i don't have to put a crazy amount of time in into it because i've got such a good team so i can focus on my kiting at the same time i think that's definitely a key a key thing in life liam is having the right people around you to you know to trust to take on some big responsibilities and to to really work with you the best because when you're competing at the level you're competing you need such a high level of focus i imagine to be you know driven to be doing your best in that that must be tough for you to try and juggle all these different projects that we're going to talk a little bit more about that you're involved in but you know you're managing to keep that balance very well it seems yeah it's definitely challenging as a kiter to to manage your your energy and your time because just you know putting all the energy into wanting to be the best it it really consumes a lot and besides that you know we don't we're not football, we're not tennis. We don't have a, a massive team around us telling us what to do and how to do things and booking our flights for us and booking our hotels. You know, Lewis, like we're we're hustlers, you know. We we yeah. do everything ourselves and it it takes up a toll and a and a lot of time, you know, to to be able to to plan all of the logistics of competing and training all year while trying to be the best at the same time. So just yeah, adding another thing to that list, it it's it's challenging, but just have to become better at like uh, managing your time and as you said having the having the right people around you yeah and you know you mentioned sports there which are just on such different uh different level of echelons that are doing so well for example being a professional footballer you know you earn so much money you don't really need to worry about what's gonna happen after football of course you'd have to be you know invest in it wisely etc and so on but with our sport it seems that you need to be setting up all these other different ventures whilst you're still at the top of your game and at your peak, like you just said, Liam, which could easily distract you. But you seem to be managing that really well. So another role that you have as well, and we see it all the time on your wetsuits and your equipment, um, is this role as an ambassador for Porsche. So how did you land that uh, that cool corporation? Ah. Uh. I don't know. <laughs> it just, um, I guess they just, um, you know, first of all, Porsche wanted to get involved in um, different sports. They're involved in golf. They're involved in tennis. And I think they wanted a more alternative, something young, something more extreme. So, uh, yeah, they they set out to find some ambassadors that could represent them. I think there was a few different sports in the mix, such as skateboarding, um, basketball, a few different sports. Um, but, uh, finally they, they chose the sport of kite surfing and then they wanted to find a, a person that, that was suitable for their image, some, somebody that could represent them well. And they just, uh, they reached out to me. Um, and yeah, I was so happy that it gave me great motivation to, to continue and keep doing what I'm doing. And I finally, I've really felt that I deserve this partnership because, uh, before them, I've always had great sponsors within the industry, uh, kite sponsors, board sponsors, wetsuit sponsors, but I never really had a, a big brand um, from outside of the industry supporting me. And I really didn't know why, you know, because I was I was doing so well 
Um, I always thought it had a little bit to do with with being from Spain and and uh, not having such a Spanish image because and not really identifying myself with the country. I felt like maybe if I lived in a smaller country such as Holland or or England, I could have been more of a star and gotten more sponsors at a younger mm. age. Um, but yeah, luckily enough, uh, it all came at the right time. And man, it's been it's been amazing just to do just to do big projects with such a with such a prestigious brand. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot more to come in the future. We're just getting started. They're slowly getting involved in the sports, you know, sponsoring different events, sponsoring myself and and Rita. But um, yeah, as soon as I have some more time to work on bigger projects with them, I think that's when it's going to start to be really cool because uh, the possibilities are pretty limitless with them. It's great. It's great to see a name like this aside kiteboarding, you know, even from uh, being at King of the Air and seeing Porsche up there. It really, one really feels like, wow, our sports really go in places for a brand like that to put its name to kiteboarding. And it must be really cool for you as well. What do your mates think when you're cruising around in a Porsche? Your, your young mates, you know, like driving whatever they do and you've got this Porsche. <laughs> man it's it's crazy because i live in tarifa you know it's not really a place where you see a lot of luxury cars around so definitely turning a lot of heads as i drive by i remember the first time i i was lent to taycan cross turismo which is like super sporty car it was this hulk green so it wasn't very discreet it was the <laughs> middle of summer and and we did we just did the photo shoot with with them um like a product shoot for the car and then they lent me the car for a couple of weeks and i was driving this this beast around tarifa and it was just i was embarrassed almost because i was just not used <laughs> to sitting in such a luxury and i was driving up to the main beach in tarifa and everybody was just stopping looking at the car people asking if they can take pictures with the car and it was almost like it was almost too much but um yeah by now i've gotten used to <laughs> to driving porsche i've kind of feel identified uh by them so yeah it's just a uh, part of Feels my right. image now and, uh, yeah, I've gotten used to it by now, so it's cool. As as everything, you know, you you get used to it. Of course, at, at the start was crazy, and now I I see more like the opportunity um, of projects and stuff that I can do with them more than like, oh look, I'm so cool. I drive a I drive a Porsche. <laughs> and uh, what about projects coming up? You have some cool projects coming up with either Porsche or Duo Tone or any that you'd like to discuss that you've done so far. Um. I mean, the last big thing we did was the was the Alaska trip with with Duotone. That was super cool. Um, some rumors that we might be doing something in China with Porsche, <laughs> but uh, I don't really know many details on that. Um, but yeah, my my um, attention has definitely shift, shifted fully to competition again this year. Um, as you know, it's gonna that takes a lot of time, training and stuff. So I'm just gonna focus on competition for now. Um, obviously I'm continuing to make my vlogs with Seb and he, you know, he's become so good at editing and, and directing the vlogs now that I don't have to put in as much work as I used to at the beginning, when we started working together, I really had to put a lot of attention into the detail of, of how I wanted the vlogs to, to look and how I wanted my image. But we, he knows me so well now that he just gets on with it and then produces things better than I would produce them myself. So so uh, yeah, continue to make the vlogs, continue to train for for competitions, um, be a bit more present in the kite school this year. I'd like to maybe host a couple of clinics and and different things there, just to you know not just have my name on the flags and actually be a bit more present. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much going to take up all my time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Now your your vlogs, Liam, 
you're, you know, I want to talk about blogs with you because I have had my own very small experience trying to get them going and they take so much energy that it can be very easy for them to affect uh, your your motivation to want to go kiteboarding, to do anything, you know, to turn up to a beach and just to go kite surfing for yourself. It's such a, you know, it's a big part of kiteboarding is getting out there, the freedom, but then to turn up to the beach and have to set a GoPro up, a camera on your kite, know where the camera is, all those types of things can really start to uh, invade in that natural process of going kiteboarding. Now, you mentioned you've got this nice, um, seamless relationship with your video guy now. Um, so it's, do you feel like you just go kiteboarding and live your life and he just captures that naturally? Um, no, uh, definitely. We have to we have to plan it. It's it's not easy. It takes up a lot of time and a lot of planning. Um, but the more I've done it, the better I have become at, at planning how to film the vlogs. And yeah, at the beginning, um, we would maybe take up to two weeks just to film one vlog, you know, have five different sessions and try to fit it all together and put a voiceover together and then see how we're going to make the edit work. And yeah, that's that wasn't very <laughs> efficient time-wise and it took mm-hmm. up too much energy. Um, so we found different ways to make it easier to film. Um, for example, we'll go on a trip, say we go to Brazil and we will film like five vlogs in five days. Each day is a vlog. Wow. We'll go to a different spot, do a different activity, bum, 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 film them all in a row. And then we have five vlogs lined up. So we do the filming and then we can just go home and edit. And then for the next 10 weeks, we have uh, videos coming out and that's way easier than, yeah, just uh, doing it the other way, like trying to film a bunch of different days and then, that sounds really like a, that, that sounds like a great approach. That's that really does sound good because then you just know you've got this free time when you've always got something on the horizon every week to do. It's a bit uh, it's on your mind, you know. Like this sounds like a way better way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, we just travel a bunch to try to get content in different places. And then of course, then there's like the competition blogs, which people really like. Um, but it's fun, man. I, I really, I really enjoy filming and, and creating content. That's definitely one of my passions and, and something that I, in a direction that I want to move, move towards in, in the future, you know, creating documentaries and, and cool movies and in ways that haven't been seen in kiting. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that uh, to when I have a bit more time. Let's talk about your hometown, Tarifa, which is obviously a mecca for kite, for wind sports in general, but obviously kiting and now uh big air still an incredible place how much does that help to have had home your hometown of tarifa in your your career path yeah tarifa is amazing i mean i came to live here when i was 14 years old um i used to live in ibiza which is an island that we kited a bit and we would go to tarifa and summer holidays but yeah ibiza obviously um only worked in winter and you know a few days a month so for my career to to work was necessary to move to a very windy place and when i moved to tarifa is really when uh, my progression started to show i was just out on the water every single day uh, back then i was training freestyle and we had a lot of poniente which is the the wind direction that comes from the west side onshore and it's constant and we had the lagoon that i could kite in flat water and train and yeah i would go every day after school i would i would be training pretty much four hours, five hours every single day. Um, and we had a great 
little group of, of friends that were all pushing in the same direction. It was very competitive between us. So that, that environment was very, um, very key for me mm, to get to where fun. I am. And then, um, and then, yeah, now I, I switched to big air and little did I know Tarifa's an amazing place for big air as well. <laughs> yeah. And then perfect. I started taking advantage of all the Levante days and, and Balneario just became such a popular spot. That spot. I mean, there used to be no one out there. Literally, I would, I, I would go to school. I went to school for a year on the school that's right on the beach in front there. And every mm-hmm. time it was nuking, there'd maybe be one crazy guy kiting in Balneario. Yeah. And uh, now it's now it's such a hype. It, it's insane. Like it's it's annoying for me because you know I used to ride there by myself, and now it's just like yeah. it's almost impossible to train there. <laughs> and when it's not nuking, when it's not a nuking Levante or a Poniente, and you're at home or perhaps anywhere around the world. I'm always interested about um, our athletes and any athletes is what other sports they do. Is there anything else you like to do? Which, which sports and, and why do you do them? Do you participate in? Um, I love surfing and I love tennis as well. Um, I didn't I know love... that. I knew you liked table tennis. So I've played you before. Some <laughs> amazing games, but I didn't know you into tennis as well, but no, carry on. Yeah. I'm super into tennis for me. It's just something so different than than kite surfing and and water sports, and you're just put into a complete different environment and and different community and different people, and um, it's so different. That's I think that's the thing I really like about it because it's just it really it's so technical as well, and it just gets my mind completely off of kite surfing and mm. out of the world that I usually live in. And same goes for surfing. Surfing is just so peaceful, you know. I really feel like it's a sort of meditation, and and sometimes I need I need these other sports that help me, you know, get away from from kite surfing for a bit. We're talking about our mindset here on the Inside the World of Duotone podcast, and we've just come to the end nearly now, Liam. And my last question, really, for you, just on that note of talking about things that can be great for you outside your busy life in kiteboarding. Is how do you how do you prepare mentally and physically for 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 the life that you have and maybe for the competitions? Is there any key things that you do that might help everyone listening? Yeah, just uh, really um, setting myself goals, um, both short term and long term. I I love to write things down. I always have a a pen and a paper around, and I kind of you know manifest manifest my goals. Um, can be to what I'm going to do in, in one day and to what I want to achieve in, in one year. And I try to, you know, live up to those goals. And even if I don't achieve them, I try to celebrate the little, little steps that, that, that get me closer to them. And, uh, yeah, just try to, just try to enjoy what you do as much as possible. Cause if you're not enjoying it then. And what's the point of doing it? Right. Oh, I definitely agree with that. And I think writing it down, is such a powerful thing to do. There's some sort of incredible statistic online somewhere, which I can't find at this second, which is all about how actually just writing your ideas and ambitions down gives you so much more of a chance of them actually happening to see them. So I think that's a great tip for anybody who's just thinking, I've got so many ideas and things I want to do and things I want to achieve. Write them down. I also believe in carrying a book around. It's very powerful. Liam Whaley, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It was lovely to speak with you. Thank you so much, Lewis. Have a great day.